Backstage Pass Radio is now a global podcast heard in 70 countries around the world. Our newly formed partnership with Synad Outdoor has us seeing great traction in Texas and Louisiana. Since Synad's beginnings in 1964, this family-owned and operated advertising company has become the largest independently held billboard company in Texas today. Synad prides itself on unbeatable service and turnaround time. Let their experienced design team create the perfect advertisement to showcase your business. Contact Synad today at 713-861-6013. And also make sure to visit their website at www.synad.com and tell them Backstage Pass Radio sent you. She is a New York-born singer-songwriter and calls New England home. Happy New Year to all of you guys tuning in. It's Randy Halsey here with Backstage Pass Radio. This evening, I will visit with a talented singer-songwriter that was a firefighter turned fashion model turned musician. She has released a handful of singles recently, and I will chat with my friend Stephanie Ryan right after this. This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey. I am joined by the lovely and talented Stephanie Ryan. Welcome, friend. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. How are you? I am doing well. How about yourself? I am good. I'm very good. Oh, I guess where you are up in the Northeast right now, I guess it's that time of year where the the temperatures are starting to to drop a little. What's the weather like up in up in the main area these days? Oh, the weather has dropped. The weather outside is frightful. <laughs> Wasn't there a the song about that or something? So delightful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gotten it's definitely gotten uh, a cold here. In, inland, it's a it's a bit snowy. By the coast where I am, it's not snowy, it's just cold. But we were very, very lucky this season. It was super mild until about recently where the temperatures dropped. And, uh, you know, now we're here. We're here in winter. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because Houston is not known as like the cold portion of the nation. But the the weather was really bad today. A lot of rain. But I think Thursday, I was kind of comparing it to, to Maine and Thursday, I think we're down to like 17 degrees at night, which is kind of what you guys have going on there right now, which is rare. And when that happens in Texas, that's not a good thing because people freak out. Like we don't have the infrastructure to support those kind of temperatures. And the last time that we got down to that cold, it was like it was it was a nightmare because Pipes were busting, you know, a lot of the pipes here are exposed and whatnot, whereas up north they're kind of, mm-hmm. they're kind of ready for those things. And we're just not, we're not set up for that, that kind of rigmarole, so to speak. No, up here we are very well supported on that side of things. I know down south in a lot of different areas, it's just not something that's as likely. So there's not as much preparation. So, uh yeah, it's uh, definitely a challenge for you guys down there when yeah. it gets real cold. I will say the nice thing about it, though, this time of year, uh, to look at the to look at the forecast and see that starting tomorrow the the rain goes away and it's going to be really cold during the week and we're going to get to Sunday 
which will be Christmas Day, and it's actually going to be colder than 80 degrees outside. So that's going to be really nice for the <laughs> for the Texas people. And I know that doesn't mean a whole lot to people that live up north because, you know, you associate Christmas time and the holidays with cold weather and snow. We're never that lucky here in Texas because it's always hot. So this will be a nice year, a nice change for us where we actually have a cold day on Christmas Day. Looking wow. forward to that. Yeah. As long as the rain stays away, right? The cold is fine as long as the rain stays away. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I actually was just looking at the the temperature here. It says 30 feels like 19. Yeah, wow. I was telling somebody not too long ago, I was up two years ago in January in Minot, North Dakota, and it was negative 41 when I was there. And not a place that I'd want to. I've never been in that cold. I've not been in that cold of temperature, thank God. I would need some serious layering happening. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. I think to the, make that enjoyable. Exactly. I think the polar bears were even layered up in those temperatures. Right. It's just it's like beyond cold. But what area of Maine? You know, when we look at the at the map in our mind's eye, what area of Maine do you reside in these days? So I am in what they consider to be, quote unquote, the mid coast area. I'm about two hours north ish of uh, Portland and about the same south of Bar Harbor on the coastline. So we don't get a lot of snow here. To be honest, we probably get as much as our lower New England folk. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a little bit colder, longer, really. It'd be nice to have a little bit more snow because who doesn't love a good lovely snowfall here and there yeah i, I think everything's um, good in moderation great. right everything's good in moderation <laughs> you know sometimes i would be happy to switch with you randy and be in texas where it's nice and warm <laughs> well you again again always be careful what you wish for because there's an old adage like you always want what you can't have right mm-hmm. so you say that until you get down here in the summertime and you're like holy cow, I've got to get back up north. This is way too hot down here. But, you know, I guess. Well, it's, I think I probably would not want to switch with you in the summer. No, no. Even when I go down to Nashville, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to be here for like June, July, right, and a little sure. bit of August because of the humidity. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, you know, it just wreaks havoc on the hair. It does. Well, I don't have that problem, but uh, I don't I don't worry about the hair probably quite like you do. But nevertheless, it does do funny things. The, the women here certainly talk about the humidity and mm-hmm. why did I fix my hair this morning? It's so humid outside. Like as soon as they walk from the house to the car, the hair's fallen and <laughs> nothing oh, can absolutely. be done with it with all the time you spent. <laughs> but uh, so I was wondering also, you know, being up in that part of the world. Is there ever any time spent across the border in in Canada, you know, Quebec or any of the areas outside of the U.S. for you? It's it's probably not all that far of a drive for you to get to those areas, correct? Um, we're probably looking at seven-ish, oh, wow. probably a little bit more okay. than that to, to get into Canada. I've actually never been to Canada, and I say that um, – you know, maybe not so truthfully because I've flown into Canada to fly somewhere else, but I have not actually gotcha. visited Canada. Okay, that's interesting. It's on the list and the docket of places to go, and I've met a lot of really amazing people, especially in the country music world, that live up there. 
Um, so I'm hoping at some point we can do like a like a trade. Like yeah. I can come there and visit and play some shows and hang out, and then they can come here and visit. Uh, we're working on getting a place in Nashville too, so to be able to have a home in Maine and then a place in Nashville and then friends everywhere that you sure. can go and visit. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's the way to do it. For sure. Oh, yeah, it opens up the pool for a lot of different things. And, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of travel in my future anyways because uh, I want to be out and about. So That's good. Well, in, in, your, in your line of work, you, you need to be out and about because if you're not, there's uh, something not going very well with the career, right? If you're just sitting Absolutely. around. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're not a native of, of New England. I'm not. And I think New York was where you were kind of born and raised. Is that correct? That is true. I actually, so I was technically born in New England because I was born in Connecticut. Okay. Um, but I grew up in New York, not Manhattan, because every time you say New York, everybody thinks New York City, sure. which is like, you know, that tiny little sliver of yeah. New York. <laughs> <but> there's <laughs> right. a whole state Absolutely. that everybody forgets about. So I grew up in New York State and lived there for almost my whole life until I moved to Connecticut. Um, and I lived there for six years and then I moved to Maine after that, when the pandemic hit, I, uh, I moved up here to Maine. That's a long story that I can keep a little short for you. <laughs> keep it short. Like, because I think that when you think about all the places in, in the United States that, that we could go, like, I would think most people would say, I could see people maybe going from Connecticut to New York because New York is known as the the, the big city kind of thing, right? But to go mm-hmm. from New York to maybe a smaller area in a smaller state kind of thing, what took you to further, further east on the east coast there? Have you been thinking that you may need a little exercise in your daily routine while having a little fun doing it? I may have the solution. Hey, it's Randy Holsey here with Backstage Pass Radio. And about six months ago, I purchased an electric bike from Ecotrick and just thought about using it as a way to kind of get the blood flowing a few days a week. And to my surprise, I find myself on the bike just about every day. Not only am I getting a little exercise each day, but I'm also having a fun time seeing the neighborhood and maybe some areas that I probably would never have seen before I got the bike. Today, my family owns four of these EcoTrick bikes, and we're looking to add a few more soon. Make sure to check out the link in the description below for more details. So... The short answer is uh, I grew up in New York. I was a firefighter and I went to college and then I was modeling in Manhattan. Then I moved to Connecticut with my then boyfriend, now husband, and he and I both worked in Manhattan. So we were back and forth. We were right over the border from New York into Connecticut. So we took the train every day and we were doing our careers down in Manhattan. And then the pandemic hit and we both decided he started working from home and my modeling career was essentially dead because nobody was doing anything. And at that time I had already started to pursue music full time. So I said sayonara to that whole life and went, you know, full steam ahead with music. And because he was able to work entirely from home, we had the option of buying a house in Maine or 
buying a place in Nashville. At the time, it made sense to buy a place in Maine because his family always vacationed to Maine and the house that they vacationed at was for sale and we got an amazing deal on it. So we said, let's go to Maine and we'll buy the house. We'll have the vacation house forever. And then we will find a place in Nashville so that we can be doing that as well and have the best of both worlds in the scenario. So that is the short version of cool story and right in, uh, in Maine and I was gonna say isn't it nice to have a significant other that can kind of afford you to be able to pursue your music in the downturn I mean because Absolutely. let you know if you were a single person or a sing, if you were a single mom or whatever the case may be that makes it more of a challenge like you just can't quit your job and just work on music all the time. You have to go get a legitimate job to pay the mortgage, right? But when you have a, um, a significant other or a boyfriend or a husband or, or vice versa, that, that, that takes a little stress off to allow you to work on that career. So that, that sounds like it was kind of a, all the stars aligned for you, so to speak, during that time. Absolutely. I'm very lucky and blessed to have such an amazing support system in my husband and his backing to be able to afford the opportunity to follow this career path that I've always wanted to do for my whole life. You know, early on, we were able to flow everything because I was working full-time modeling while also doing music. So we didn't have any struggle with that. But when the pandemic hit and changed everything, you know, I had my stock piled away savings and doing all the stuff with music that I could and, and supporting myself by doing live streams on Instagram and Facebook and all those things. And people were very lovely and generous in those, in those um, platforms to help support artists like myself who would be putting on these shows and then they'd tip a little something here and there to kind of help you float by. So there was a lot of support from a lot of people you know, including my husband, but sure. you know, from, from everybody around the globe, really. Yeah. What a cool way to try to supplement a little income during such a weird time of our lives. You know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I mean, who would have ever thought that you could sit in a room and be seen all over the world typically or, or basically, right. Mm-hmm. By just playing some guitar live in your you know, in your home studio. And it's, it's really cool that you could subsidize a little bit of the income, but I did some of the live streaming too. And how weird is it to sit in front of a camera and play the guitar with, (laughs) there's like no vibe. It's like playing to a brick wall, but it's cool. in the fact that people that wouldn't normally get to see you actually get to see you perform. So it's more cool for Mm -hmm. them than it is for the artist that's playing the, the Facebook live. Right. Yes and no. I feel like for me, it was a whole different scenario. Prior to the pandemic, I didn't play guitar. I sang, I wrote music, and I had a guitarist that I worked with and and a band. And we all worked really hard together to get my music off of the ground. And when the pandemic hit and I was not in a space where I could perform with anyone else, I had to learn how to play guitar. So it was actually fantastic for me (laughs) to be able to perform online because I didn't have to worry about 
if I needed notes in front of me or um, if people were looking at me and making me nervous when gotcha. I wasn't okay. super comfortable sure. playing guitar yet. I and, you. you know, now it's coming up on three years that I've been playing and pretty consistently. I, I really challenged myself over the pandemic. I started a whole show that I did every Sunday. It was called Pajama Sessions. Mm-hmm. And it would be me and like a coffee or a mimosa. And I would play three or four songs every week. And I would always try to make them different songs. So I'd play like a couple of covers and my own so that I could strive to continue to learn, 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 learn. Um, so that really helped me a lot. And then, like I said, not having people looking directly at me really helped that thrive. So I feel like it was a pretty big benefit to, to me learning guitar and getting more comfortable playing and performing. And then when it got to a point where I actually went to Nashville for the first time after things started to lift, I played live for the first time and I was like, oh my God, this is so like old hat to me. This is so familiar. Even though people are here and they're looking at me, like you can, you chat about that and you're like, this is just such an amazing space to be here with people that I haven't played in front of before. Um, But I also love live streaming because like you said before, it was an amazing opportunity to perform for people that have never seen you perform before and may not because people can tune in from all over the world. Absolutely. And I still love that idea now and I hope people don't ever go away from it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because live streaming does allow that opportunity for so many people who maybe wouldn't get a chance to see you, especially overseas, um, to see you perform live. Yep. And it's a great way, like, and you said it best. I mean, that's basically how you cut your teeth, right? You cut your teeth playing the guitar on Facebook Live. And, you know, I don't know how you felt about it, but I, I remember I've been a musician for a really long time, and I won't even discuss how many years I've been a musician, but I remember... You know, I went on a 20, 30 year hiatus of playing anything live. You know, I did the bands and stuff back in the 80s and 90s. And then I just walked away from it, lived a life. Probably back in 2015, I started playing out solo again. And I'm in a duo now. But the, the interesting thing, when I went back to the solo shows, I was really nervous about getting back out. And it wasn't because I was afraid of the singing and the playing part. It was more of the equipment, the technical difficulties with equipment, whether it was feedback or, you know, you had to troubleshoot something or a string broke. Not that I don't know how to tune my guitar and restring my guitar because I do, but as a solo artist, as you probably well know, you don't really have a sound guy there working a board for you. You are the sound guy, right? So if you get feedback Mm -hmm. in the middle of a song, you either try to work, you know, through it by moving your mouth or your head around or doing doing some crazy sleight of hands because there's nobody <laughs> turning dials. So I think that made me more nervous than the playing part. And I don't know if you how you felt about that when you first went out, you started playing the live shows. Mm-hmm. Was there any of that fear for you or did you always have people working the sound for you and you didn't have to worry about that kind of thing? Pre-pandemic, I didn't have to worry about sound because somebody else was managing that. Post-pandemic, you know, when you're playing out live and you're down in Nashville and you're doing the writer's rounds and all Mm. that stuff, you have somebody else managing it so you don't have to worry about that. 
being up here and being in Maine, I've been very lucky to have my husband run sound. Good. Actually, the first time ever that I had to run sound was three days ago because my husband couldn't come and I had to run sound for myself and two other artists. So I had to figure out how to use the equipment and make sure that nobody had feedback and everybody sounded good and, and all that stuff. And then when I went, uh, when it was my turn, one of the other artists just kind of gave me feedback of like, hey, turn down this and turn okay. up that mm-hmm. so that I could do it from the stage because I have like an app on my phone that links up to my Bose system. Yep. And then I could just kind of manage everything from there. Yes. Um, but when you're working to like get everything together, it's definitely nerve wracking because you yes. have to <laughs> own everything. <laughs> Absolutely. You have but, to be you know, the performer the and yeah, the performer, the technician, the sound person, the everything, right? Absolutely. I'm kind of used to being everything anyways, because like, as you know, being an independent artist, you are everything. You're the marketer, you're the manager, (laughs) you're the songwriter, you're the singer, you're performing, you're the mixing engineer, you're doing all of the things. So I'm kind of used to wearing a lot of the hats. Yeah, I get it. And so, of course, you're in Maine right now, but you travel Mm -hmm. back and forth to Nashville. Mm-hmm. When do you think that that whole Nashville thing would happen for you guys? Is there is there some kind of plan, you know, you'd like to have a place in Nashville by this date? And is there any of, you know, solid plans for, for you guys at this time? You know, I've given up the having it by this date okay. scenario yeah. because we have been looking for probably six months. And as you're probably well aware, and I'm sure the listeners are aware, the real estate market it has been out of control for quite some time. So I've been very fortunate to have a lot of friends down there that have let me stay at their places, Good. whether they're there or not, or rent their spaces. There's also hotels and everything. So I've been fortunate enough to do that. I'd love to get a place there sooner than later. However, it just has to be the right fit. Yeah. I had an interview uh, with a gal out of Willis, Texas. Her name is Peyton Howie, and she plays mm-hmm. a lot of uh, shows up in in Nashville. And I know that she had a place in Nashville, and she traveled from north, basically Willis is North Houston, had a place in Nashville. And I think it just kind of became, okay, I'm there a lot, but I don't think it's enough to really pay for a place. So I think she does kind of that where she just goes up and either does the hotel thing or just she's gotten to know a lot of people since her mm-hmm. time in Nashville, probably much like you have, you know, you go there and do the, the writers rounds and stuff like that. You get to know people and become friends with people. And a lot of times they'll have an extra bedroom in their house or whatever that can help save you a little money on the travel. Right. Oh, absolutely. Which, you know, has been a godsend. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to be able to to have my own space down there just because then I could leave some things. Yes. I was very fortunate last time I had traveled down, I was able to leave my guitar at my friend's place because it was only going to be like two weeks between me leaving and coming back, which was really nice to not have to travel on a plane with a guitar. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Hands free. I'm carrying so much stuff that I'm like, oh my gosh, I can carry a a coffee and my bag and that's it. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Isn't that nice? Well, it was. Well, a firefighter, let's see, a firefighter turned fashion model. So th- this is like very opposite ends of the spectrum, <laughs> right? And I have to say for maybe for the listeners, we're 
they're not going to see a video. And I'm sure if they go out and we'll talk about your social media and stuff at the end, if they go out and look you up, they'll see that it it's apparent why you were a fashion model, right? But how did the <laughs> fire how did the firefighting part of it come about for you? So I grew up in a family uh, lineage of firefighters. My grandfather was a firefighter. I've had multiple cousins who have been firefighters. My father has been the chief for a number of years. And my brother was also in the department. And when we were growing up and my brother joined the junior volunteers, my dad was always in the department. Gosh, I think he's been in the department for like 40 years. But I was like, why are there no women? And what, like, can there be? And it was kind of like, yeah, like, there can be. And I'm like, well, then I want to do that. Trailblazer. And, and I've always grown up as like, maybe not the tomboy of, of the group, but I definitely was always like, if you say that I can't do something or that a woman's not able to do something, I'm going to do it. So I, I joined the junior volunteers back in middle school. And then I was able to join the regular department when I turned 18. So I guess it was like middle school, eighth grade or ninth grade that I joined the, the junior volunteers, worked through that. I became like lieutenant, then captain of the junior volunteers, then moved up to the regular department and, you know, took firefighter one. And I did all the classes and had all the everything that you needed to be able to perform the duties of a firefighter. So wow. I was a volunteer for about 10 years. Yeah. Uh, you've been compared to, to a few artists like... Uh, I think Sarah Evans was one and then Ashley McBride. And I wanted to ask you why, why the reference to these two artists particularly, do you think? What, what about Stephanie Ryan translates to those two artists in your eyes? You know, I've, I've been compared to both of those artists and a few others over the years, which is an absolute honor. I am very happy because they're fabulous artists in their own right. I think the tone of my voice, a lot of people have compared to Sarah Evans. Okay. You know, you hear your voice differently than sure. other people do. And, and I definitely can hear similarities, but Vocally, they've gone that way. And then as far as like lyrics and an attitude perspective, I guess, um, <laughs> they've compared me to Ashley McBride with her, you know, ability to be a great storyteller and to just be like, this is me and take it or leave it kind well, of attitude I was, for, yeah, for I, life. I was going to say there might be a little, you know, I and I don't know her personally, of course, and, and I've seen a few videos and I, and I would have to detect a little bit of rebelness in her. But when when I look at you on. On the cover, I, I don't I don't see, oh, I don't associate with you with like, oh, I bet you, Stephanie, I bet you that is a rebel, say it like it is kind of chick, right? So I, I don't <laughs> I don't know that correlation. So it's it's cool that you're well, it's telling interesting me. interesting to hear other people's perspectives, too, because you're saying that you don't see that. And sure. I'm sure there's probably people that agree with you and then people that agree on the other side. You never know, like, what or who other people are going to, like, describe you as. Sure. Anytime that anybody says anything, I'm like, that's amazing. I'm glad that you, you know, can look at me and, and think a certain something as long as it's good, obviously. Sure. <laughs> um, well, well it, it's, it's interesting to hear people's perspectives yeah. on, you know, who they think that you are just based on a look or, yes, or your sound. Yes. And 
and then, you know, making their preconceived notions and then, you know, digging a little deeper and finding out more of the things and seeing if that sways it. Well, I think part of it too is, and, and, and the whole tattoo thing has changed over the years for sure. Right. And I think when you see Mm -hmm. people historically, when you see people with tattoos, you, your, your mind automatically goes to a few places, right? Either, okay, you just got out of prison or you're a bad person or you're a drug addict. I mean, there's a lot of preconceived notions (laughs) is my point right now. That's changed from, you know, 1970 to today. It's, it's very mainstream. I have a very respectable job that I make a very good living at and I have a lot of tattoos, right? So it's hard to judge that book by the cover. I see a tattoo on your arm. So I'm not saying that you don't have tattoos, but you have a little bit more wholesome look like you're not all tatted up is, is my point, right? So when you when we go out and we judge the book by the cover, Rebel is not the first thing that comes to mind, right, for, for you, which is not a bad thing at all. So you said, as long as it's not a bad thing, no. The, 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 the preconceived notion for you is totally not a bad thing, but I could detect a little bit uh, of that in Ashley McBride in the few videos that I've seen. Like she's a she's a chick that kind of says it like it is and mm-hmm. that comes out in her music. And there's probably a lot of that, of course, that, you know, your message comes out in your music as well, I'm sure. I think that the best part, or the, the the best compliment that I could ever get is maybe walking that line between that good and wholesome and the rebel. Sure. <laughs> well, you know what? In the business, too, I, I think you've probably learned this. There has to be a little rebel in you. You can't be a doormat to people, especially as an independent artist. I mean, you have to stand your ground, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there has to be a little bit of that. You, you don't want to be too wholesome. You want to be wholesome, but you don't want to be so wholesome that people take advantage of you, especially if you're a woman too, right? I mean, I think that, right. that it's, you know, it, it's common for people to try to take advantage of a woman because for whatever reasons, right? So it's probably mm-hmm. to, to put up a little bit of that rebel side. It, it, I think it, it keeps people in check. For sure. And I and I tell Terry, my wife, that all the time. I'm like, I know I know you're a do gooder and you want to please everybody. But sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind. You really do. Mm -hmm. And until you learn to do that, you're going to get walked on. So hopefully that's not the not. I'm sure you have it all figured out, though. I I don't think you get. Oh, you know, (laughs) we're figuring things out day to day. I feel like back when, of course, like back when we're all younger, you are a doormat. Yeah, a lot of the time because sure. you're trying to figure it out, and yeah. then as you get older, you're like, okay, now I know, you know, how I want to be treated and how I want to be perceived, and then yes. you you act accordingly. So I just think age helps in figuring out the who am I and how do I want people to see me, mm-hmm. and what am I willing to put up with it or not put up with to you know really pave the way for an understanding of like who you are as a person. Yeah. Well, it's interesting while you were just saying that I was sitting here thinking, and we were talking about how people perceive you and I was look, I was watching you say what you were saying. And I'm like, why did she looks like somebody I know? She looks like somebody I know. And I'm just saying this over and over and in my head and I'll share with you that later, but I wanted you to think as we go through this interview, have you ever been compared to 
a celebrity or a lookalike of a celebrity. So just kind of keep that thought in okay. mind. And then I'll tell you who I who I think it is later on. Because okay. I think, you know, we they always say you have a doppel, you know, you have a twin somewhere. And I don't think it's so much a twin, but there's features that remind me of her. So anyway, just. Oh, I'm, I'm very interested to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just remind me because my old okay, self will, will forget, try. right, or whatever. But it's interesting. <laughs> we talked a little bit about Ashley McBride, and I, and I don't know a lot of her stuff, but I stumbled across her a few years back, maybe. And it was a video of her song, Girl Going Nowhere, that she mm-hmm. performed at the Opry in the circle. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've seen it, but it's probably one of the most um, it, it's probably one of the most touching and powerful videos that I've seen because it's it's a girl that comes out of nowhere and mm-hmm. they, they said you'd never be you'd never make it into anything and look where you know kind of look where I am now so if if the listeners no, haven't I saw seen that performance yeah, yeah. and I cried when I watched it's it amazing. because she she's singing the lyrics for all of us out there that are that feel that way Absolutely. sometimes and you know being independent and and pushing your way through through everything and through the noise sometimes it feels like that it where does. you just feel like you're you're trying so hard and you're not really getting anywhere and people want to dog you for it. And you're just like, no, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to, I'm going to show you. Yes. And so when I heard her say, I've heard that song many times prior and, and always felt connected to it. Yeah. But then when I saw her perform that in the Opry circle, yeah, at, you know, it's very just powerful. to another level. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, let's talk about your music for just a minute. First of all, congrats on I think what five or so singles that you've released over the years is, is my math right there? Has there been about oh that many? Oh my gosh, for you? I can't even tell you how many singles it's been because I had the EP in 2018, and then from there right. I put out singles. So maybe I think this year I've released four. Okay, I was going by Spotify too, <laughs> Stephanie. Just so you know where I get where I get my information. It's not like I have an inside track on what you've released, but you know, we're kind of limited here to go when we're doing our research, you know, we go out to the Pandora's and the Spotify's and it, it looked like there was probably about five ish, four or five ish, something like that, that you've done Mm -hmm. in 2022, right? Yeah. 2022. There's definitely four or five that have come out this year and planning for next year to probably hit that number, if not more. <laughs> yeah, and I want to talk more about that. But I wanted to share a, a quick clip of a single called About Me. And I'll share this with the listeners, and then we'll come back and chat about the song a little bit. Fair enough? Yeah. All right, stand by. Nice hook in that song. I, I love the song. I've, I've listened Thank to it you. probably, I don't know how many times I've listened to it. 
I'll go on record to say probably at least 20 times. So 20 of 20 of those 20 of those uh, Spotify spins are from this guy right here. So just so you know, right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, right. So I'm assuming and I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth or assume. Was this one of the songs that you recorded in Nashville? Yes. Okay. Yeah, all my music is recorded in Nashville. Everything, okay. Um, everything post um, post twenty twenty has been okay. in, recorded in Nashville. Recorded and essentially written in Nashville. I wrote about me with Andrew King and Joey Cirillo down in Nashville. We were in the studio and said, "Yeah, you know, what do you want to write about?" And I said, "I have this idea for for a song, uh, you know, about bullying because uh, as a kid I was bullied and as an adult." We, we still, unfortunately, get bullied from time to time. Yeah. Um, and you're always, you know, dealing with that kind of thing. And I wanted to kind of write an anthem-y song about that and just saying, like, you know what? You can say what you want, but that's going to say a lot more about you than it does about me because mm. the people who know me are going to know that that's not accurate. Well, and I think that's great. That's a great topic, right? I mean, a lot of people... I'm not saying that any other topic is a bad topic, right? But I mean, you you hear you hear the songs about whiskey nights and drinking, and you know the the typical stuff that a lot of people write about. But to write about a true issue in our nation, the whole bullying thing, like that's that's a great topic to talk about. And if it helps one person in some form or fashion you're way ahead of the curve as, as far as I'm concerned. And, and I'm assuming the thought in mind for you, what you said, you mentioned Anthem, right? So did you mm-hmm. write it with that, the bully in mind, like you were trying yeah. to speak to people that get bullied? Is that kind of how the song formed? Absolutely. Yeah. With all my music, I, the intention is always to, to help someone in some way. How I listened to music growing up was always, you know, if I was in a certain mood, I had certain songs that I listened to that would just help me get through whatever the situation I was in and just ones that touched me in a way that others didn't. Sure. And I, I, as an artist, want to be that for someone else um, because that's how I've listened to music. So being writing kind of more of an anthemic song where people can can listen to it, especially like young women understand that like there are going to be those people that are going to be haters in your life and you just need to not worry about what other people say or what other people think about you you need to just focus on yourself and being a good person and that's good enough well i think it would be more fulfilling to you as an artist to to know that you're the voice of of positivity for somebody right even Mm -hmm. whether it's one person or a million people hear that song right hopefully millions hear that song at some point in time but just to say that i think i think i i helped somebody right i think that's great Mm -hmm. to be the voice for somebody that that a lot of times the person getting bullied don't feel like they have a voice for themselves right and it kind of goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about being a doormat for people right at some point in time Mm -hmm. you have to stand up for yourself and if Absolutely. if your words and your song help them to stand up and to develop that backbone, so to speak, then more power and kudos to you for sure. Mm-hmm. Is there a preference for you to write alone or co-write? Talk to me a little bit about how you prefer to write. I love writing alone. 
but there's just something about co-writing that brings whatever you have to say to another level. I've only released one song of all the songs that I've released that I solely wrote on my own. Everything else is a co-write. Okay. Um, oftentimes I bring an idea to the table and or I have half of it written or a melody idea or something like that and go into a room and rewrite a song. And if it's something that I feel really connected to, that is something that I will you know, consider putting out for the world. But I love writing alone just in a sense to get like a solid idea formed and then be able to bring it to a group of writers, gotcha. whether it's, yeah. you know, one, two or three to enhance it and just make it better. There's just a, a finesse that some people have with words that you necessarily don't think of on your own. And that is help in it of itself to to make a song even stronger sure. for a listener. Well, there's always as a writer, I'm sure there's many times when you've said you've given it to somebody else and, and you they said something and you said, why didn't I think of that? Like that, that's so easy. Right. But they give that, Mm -hmm. that little idea to the song that just, it creates a whole new life of the song. And sometimes that's a great thing. Right. But absolutely. I wanted to ask you, which one of the songs did you write alone that, that may be recorded like that the listeners can hear on Spotify. Is it out there right now? Yeah, it's out there. I I released it in uh, 21 and it's called broken heart. Broken heart. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to, to point out for you that you've won several accolades, uh, artist of the year, song of the year accolades. First of all, congrats on those. Thank but you. I wanted to ask you, what, what do the accolades mean to Stephanie Ryan? Are they a big deal to you? Because some artists can live with them. Some, some don't care. Some love them. Some thrive on them. What do the accolades mean for you as an artist or to you as an artist? To me, they're always a big deal because it means that somebody's listening intently enough to want to give you that positive feedback of what you're doing matters to, to other people. So whether it's an award or it's just somebody coming up to you after a show saying, hey, that song that you wrote that you sang up there, really touched me and you know I'm going through x y and z and and that really made a difference in my life so thank you there is no too big or too small accolade that could be ever given because it's all just it all just makes me feel amazing to be able to touch somebody else's life enough where they they feel it appropriate to to come up to me and let me know that I agree and there's I've said it many times that at the end of the night. And I preface this by saying that money is always an, you know, an important part of a musician's well-being. right? We need money to pay our bills and the mortgage and that type of thing. But sometimes it's that after show person coming up that says that song took me back to a point in time that I was going through a hard time. It means so much to me. That is more gratifying than a $5 bill in my tip jar sometimes. And I don't know how you feel about that as an artist, but sometimes that's invaluable and and you can't put a monetary price tag on feedback and comments like that about the music because Mm -hmm. that solidifies the reason why you're doing it, right? Musicians like you and I don't do it because we just like strumming strings. We do it because we want to touch people with the 
with the lyrics mm-hmm. or the music, right? Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I would much prefer a compliment. I mean, I've had I've had situations happen where somebody would come up to me and, and give a compliment and want to buy a CD and maybe didn't have enough for it. And I was like, you know what? Just take it. Yeah. Because it means more to me that you enjoy the music that much that you would even want to have it. And you should be able to have that even if you can't afford it. So take it and enjoy it. Good, good, good for you. I wanted to. That's a good word. Yeah. That's really all I Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to share another clip of a single that was released 2022 as well. This is a single called Regulars and Drop Ins. So let's take a quick listen to that and then we'll come back and chat. Cool. Sounds good. Company, I keep stay when the lights come on. Make sure I find a lift, my keys, my purse, and my phone. If that ain't you, it don't offend me. Go ahead and unfriend me. I don't need friends like that. Regulars and drop ins, river and farewell, friends. Don't just stop by for the great song Stephanie I, I Thank you. you're welcome and I always tell everybody I think one of the I started the podcast back in February of 2021 and a lot of people have asked why did you do it like it's not that you don't have enough things to do already why did you add one more thing to the list and I said I started it for two reasons to to expose peers in our field was one reason and two because I love the meanings behind the songs. I'm a behind the songs kind of person or in the song kind of person. I want to know what the lyrics were. I want to know where they were recorded. Like I'm a liner notes geek, right? I love that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's when I listen to your music, it constantly reminds me of why I started the show because I get exposed to great music that I would have never heard of heard of you. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Like, I'm not saying it in a negative way, but like, what are the chances of me ever knowing who you were had I not started the show and I was out proactively looking for things that appealed to me, music that appealed to me, right? So, mm-hmm. so I think that's awesome. Uh, like, I, I've gotten hooked on your music just because of the podcast. So, great job well, on the you. tunes. They're great. I love them. And I love being able to share your story as well as links to all your sites and, and expose your music to people that m- may have been like me and never have heard of Stephanie Ryan up in Maine, right? So, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I wanted to ask you if you remembered... For for regulars and drop-ins, do you remember where you were when this idea of the song hit you? Do you remember that? Do you remember the details with all of yeah. your songs, where you are, what you're doing? Can you relate them back to a time and place? Not always a time and place. For that song, yes. I do remember a time and place of where that I, that idea came up. But like, I also just want to say thank you for what you said before because sure. I really appreciate that. 
and I appreciate you sharing for sharing my music and, and I'm so happy that you enjoy it. My pleasure. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Regulars and drop-ins. I was sitting in my studio where I am right now and the idea came to my head of, I used to be, you don't know this because I'm sure nobody does, but I used to be a bartender for a very okay. short period of time. And you would always have your regulars and okay. then the people who would, you know, bounce in and out that you'd never see. And originally it was called drop-ins and regulars. And I, I wrote down some ideas for the song and kind of what I was feeling around that of, you know, just the explanation of like, you have regulars and drop-ins and, and relating that to friendships where you have people that are in your life that stick around forever. And there's people that come in and out or just kind of stop by and, and you never see them again. So I brought that idea from my studio to Nashville with two of my really good friends, Josh Beal and Kate Hastings. And we sat down and wrote that song like in one sitting, had a great write and, and just bouncing ideas off each other. And, and this song came to life. And I told them in that session, I was like, I'm cutting this. This is going to be my next single. You need to know this now because it's sure. happening. Yeah. <laughs> And they were super pumped about it. And then once it was all said and done, I, uh, I sent it to both of them before it went live so they could hear where, where it came from because we only had the work tape, which is just my vocal and a guitar, to the actual fully produced version of it. Yeah. Which are different in, in, you know, in and of itself, but both very cool. So I'm super pumped about that song. I love it. Like even when he played it, me listening in, I'm just jamming out over here. <laughs> I enjoy my music. Good. Which is great. Like, <laughs> well, I was gonna. Well, I was gonna say, if you don't enjoy your music, there's something certainly wrong with you, right? I mean, Absolutely. you have you have to love it uh, before anybody else loves it. I think because that will mm -hmm. show in the music, and I love the story behind the song because as we get older in life, a lot of those thoughts enter our mind we think of things that we would have never spent any time pondering when we're 20 right we don't we we, we could mm -hmm. care less but i often think about the people that have come into my life and have gone out of my life for example you have a, a neighbor that you you become really close with right and i've always mm -hmm. said it's the tie that binds that that keeps you know, there's a tie that binds you together, right? And yeah. if you're if you're living next to a person that you become good friends with, that's the tie. It's it's the close proximity of the two people, right? Mm -hmm. If you're if you're a soccer mom or a soccer dad or whatever, you become chummy with other parents on the team because the tie that binds is the soccer game that you're at every Saturday, right? And it's, and it's always funny. I always think about that. Like so many people are here today and gone tomorrow. And do you ever just throw up your hands and say, you know what? I'm never going to get close to anybody again. You know, that thought, that thought goes through your head. Right. Like, why do I want to put myself in the position of building a relationship only for that tie to bind or the tie that binds to, to leave or, or go away? And then you're right mm -hmm. back to that lonely, well, gee, there's another one that just walked out of my life again. So it's interesting that you write a song about that, which is cool. Well, it's more of the positive perspective of like, there are people that come into your lives and the people that stay and like, sure. they all have a place and a purpose and you just kind of take it for what it's worth and then just keep on keeping up. 
Well, you're certainly a glasses half full kind of chick. Maybe I'm just the glasses half empty kind of guy, right? I don't know. I don't know. But. I tr- you know, I try to be. <laughs> I'm a realist. I see it both sides, right? I, I get it. You know, there's always a positive side. There's a lot of times a negative side. I've never been a rose-colored glasses kind of guy. I just kind of see things at face value. So mm-hmm. those are all the things that I think about when I hear the song. There's positives in it, and there's certainly, there certainly, there could be negatives, too, if you see that side of it. Mm-hmm. it, it it's interesting because... I learned that you had taught yourself, and you mentioned it earlier, that you taught yourself guitar during COVID. What a great time to teach yourself anything, right? When you can't, when you can't go out, you can't do, you can't do anything. But share with the listeners a, a little about the guitar learning process for you. Was it hard? Was it fun? Was it brutal? Like share, share your thoughts there. Um, It was kind of all over the spectrum. I had bought myself a guitar for my birthday. So that was in January of 2020. And I was like, you know what? I'm tired of making excuses. I'm going to teach myself how to play guitar. I'll get a teacher and like, well, we'll get to a place where like I can actually play on my own because I would love to do that. It's just one of my goals. And then I toyed with it a little bit, but didn't do too much. Pandemic hit and I was like, all right, well, everybody's going live on Instagram and Facebook, and I physically can't because I can't play guitar. I can only sing a cappella. So we're going to figure out how to do this. I called up my guitarist, and I was like, hey, can you send me a video of you acoustically playing these couple of songs so I can watch it and, and try to learn? And I also was looking at youtube videos and downloaded like ultimate guitar app and a few other applications to like the fender app and all the things that are like learn guitar (laughs) (laughs) so i i literally just used everything at my fingertips that i could possibly use to figure out what was the best course of learning for myself i personally chose songs that i knew really well vocally Mm -hmm. that i could you know sing repeat with my eyes closed no issues so that was one thing i never had to worry about was how does the song go what are the lyrics what's the melody i already knew it so i could really focus my attention on playing guitar figuring out the chords i would choose songs that weren't you know tons of chords we're talking about like three or four and getting to a place where i felt comfortable with that and then trying to learn how to weave singing into the playing of the guitar and it was all you know with its challenges there were days when i wanted to throw the guitar (laughs) against the wall and set it on fire and then there were other days where i was like oh okay like i really feel like i'm getting this and it's it's taking a while but then you get to a point where it's kind of like riding a bike of it just clicks Yes. At one point, and you're yes. like, oh, my God, okay, I get this. And, you know, my, my guitar playing is nowhere near where I want it to be, but I also try to give myself some grace because it has only been just under three years that yes. I've been really pursuing this hardcore. And there's just, there's always a way to go up. And like you were I saying, agree. kind of glass half full. I'm trying, I'm trying to be glass half full about it. <laughs> good, uh, yeah, that's good. If, but- you're, if you're already at the bottom, there's only can only go up, up right? to go I, so I agree. I agree. <laughs> and everywhere I go is like all right I've gone up but I'm still in a you know quote-unquote bottom spot and there's always room to improve sure. so let's just continue and I feel the same way about music in general 
with my songwriting and singing and playing guitar, I, I'm at a level of which I, I love and appreciate, and there's always room to grow and get better. So I'm always striving to, to reach those next levels. That's awesome. Always stay humble. You sound like a very humble musician. And I think that I think where where a lot of people lose their grasp on reality is that that they think they're too big for their britches and that they've Mm -hmm. that they're, I guess, king dingling for for a lack of a better term. Right. But they're not. There's always somebody better. And Mm -hmm. uh, you you have to always just say, you know, I can always get better. I can always play that song a little bit better. I can always make my chord changes a little bit cleaner, right? There's, there's, there's so much improvement that that we can always do to grow as artists. And I I was also going to say that to get frustrated with a guitar and, and want to burn it and all that kind of stuff. I've seen a few of your guitars, Stephanie, and I know how much your (laughs) guitars cost because I have some really expensive (laughs) guitars too. So I know that that was a figure of speech that you were using for the listeners out there that don't know you know much about the guitars stephanie plays Mm -hmm. martins and gibsons that they don't give away at the stores okay so um, they do not i'm very fortunate to have the guitars that i have but you know starting from from the original when i bought my first guitar it was a martin and it is his name is johnny and i use him all the time but that I only had the one guitar at that point. Okay. So I've been fortunate over the years to collect a few others that mm-hmm. are absolutely fantastic. Yep. And I play, play them very gently. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, <laughs> I and, use my workhorse to, yes. to do everything else. <laughs> I'm like you. I'm, I'm fortunate too. I, I have, I'm a Taylor player and I have other guitars, but the Taylors are the working guitars that I play on stage. And uh, while I predominantly play Taylor guitars live, I've been eyeing the Gibson SJ200 lately, and I don't know why, but uh, there's something that's drawn me to it. And I see, I saw your guitar, and that's what kind of made me make the comment that, yeah, I, I know how much these guitars are. So for the <laughs> listeners out there, if you ever want to learn to play guitar and you buy a Gibson like like I'm eyeing and like Stephanie plays, Please don't throw it against the wall or anything like that no, when you get frustrated. Don't, don't do any of the things when you get frustrated. <laughs> just walk away. I think the best thing that I ever did, you know, when it came to learning guitar was that I went to a store specifically to try out every single guitar that I could possibly try and find the one that I felt fit me the best and the one that I settled on. It's a, a Martin Triple O thirteen E Road Series guitar that it just felt right. Sure. And even at the store, they were like, "You could buy this guitar, the same exact guitar, from somewhere else, but it's not going to feel the same because right. although it is the same guitar, it's different. It's come from a different tree, even though it's the same wood, and it's just configured differently. So sure. if it's something that you really connect with and feel like fits you, then you should probably go with that. And of course you're like, Oh, they're just blowing smoke, whatever. But I thought about that guitar for two days. And on the second day I was like, I have to go back and get it. Sure. And that is the reason why I stuck with it for so long because I, I got to pick it out. It felt comfortable. I felt like I could really learn on it and I also paid for it. So like, yes, I, 
felt the need of like, you know what, I, I put myself out there to do this. So I need to give this everything I have. Plus the fact that if I wasn't going to do it, no one else was going to do it for me. So That's I right. needed to just That's get right. over it yeah. and go for it. No, I mean, I think there's a calling. You hear a guitar and I think if you and I are sitting in a room together and somebody strums a chord on a certain guitar, you hear it differently than I do. What, you know, it might be appealing to you, but not appealing to me. And that's how you kind of, you figure out what kind of guitar you want. And, and not to get into too much tech talk about the guitars, it's, you know, these, these different woods have different sounds and what a lot of people don't know about a great tone wood guitar like you and I are privileged enough to play is that you pay a lot of money for the guitars, but these are guitars that open up and become more porous over the years. So that Gibson and that Martin and these Taylors will sound 10 times better 30 years from now than they did the first day you bought it. And I think the mindset Mm -hmm. is, you know, like when you think about a car, a car gets older, so it's not going to run as great, you know, 20 years from now, it's going to start breaking down and have a lot of problems. That's when a guitar becomes good, a good tone wood mm-hmm. guitar. Now, I'm not talking about the laminate guitars that you go, you know, you go to Walmart and spend $49 on, like those are not going to open up. Okay. That's not tone wood. So there's a reason that you pay high dollar for those types of guitars because they, they come from trees that are they're extinct trees you know koa you you know if you listen to the ebony the whole ebony project with taylor guitars every tree they cut down they they basically replant another tree so they're that mm-hmm. concerned about the environment and uh yeah it's 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 a crazy story i mean the whole acoustic thing i mean i could go on for days about acoustic talk but beautiful guitars oh, I'm sure you can I, go on longer than me <laughs> I, I love that but i was i was gonna ask you wasn't it fun trying to develop the calluses like wasn't that just a blast oh boy i mean i i was so gung-ho about it when i first started that i would play until my fingers were screaming yes and then you know and which, which is like 45 minutes when mm-hmm. you've not played the guitar before um and then i would just it was like torture essentially, but I was just like, I need to learn this and I need to learn it now. And I, you know, I've been wanting to learn this my whole life and I finally have the opportunity to like give it all this effort. So like, I am just going to go for it and we're going to deal with the pain later. So I agree. And, and I, I went after it and you know, the, the calluses, they come and go because though I do play every day, you know, there are the days that you play four or five hours and there's those days that you play, 45 minutes and correct you know they come and go especially washing your hands and you know women with lotions and that's right (laughs) and i and i think that you would concur with what i'm going to say to people that are listening that have ever thought about picking up the guitar and playing i think first of all you have to have a love for music right if you don't love Mm -hmm. music then you're never going to learn the guitar the second part of that is if you think that you want to play, you really have to continue past the callous stage because a lot so many people walk up to that line of mm-hmm. the fingers bleeding or the blisters on the fingertips and they're done. They check out and they don't ever go back to it because it's not a fun thing. It's really not. And I don't say that to discourage a, a an up and coming guitar player. 
But there's an old adage, you got to go through hell before you get to heaven sometimes, right? And Mm -hmm. every guitar player that actually plays the guitar has gone through that blistering stage or there would not be calluses on the fingers. And I'll tell Mm -hmm. you, I'm I'm a part of a lot of um, groups on Facebook for like, you know, Taylor players and just acoustic or guitar players in general. And there's nothing that a guitarist is prouder of than the calluses on his fingers, right? And these guys will Mm -hmm. post pictures of their fingertips and you know it's like it's like a uh i don't i don't know it's like a a trophy that that we have and i remember one time my dad was like man look at those calluses you should take like an emery board and file those things down i'm like dad no you know it took me 37 years to get these things the way they are you don't want to do that so I'm sure you can get a callus on my, on my pinky. And I was like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Well, a lot of people don't know, like after a show, like the calluses look really bad after a show because you've been, you've been fretting the strings for three hours or whatever, but you Mm -hmm. go home, you take a shower, you wake up the next morning and you look at your fingertips and you can hardly see them until, you know, you really start playing again and then they become more defined. So I know that's not attractive to women to walk around with, you know, for women to walk around with calluses all over their tips of their fingers, but they really don't look bad unless it's just right after you, you've been playing. So, yeah. And, and you know what, honestly, that's why, that's why we get manicures. That's right. That's exactly it. (laughs) Would you say that learning, learning the guitar changed the way you either thought about music or changed the way that you would write music. Did it have any bearing on that for you? Oh yeah. It changed everything. And in what Um, ways did it change it? I starting, it just, I was able to put music to my words where I would only sing a melody and then send it in on a work tape to a friend to put a guitar part to, I could come to a right with a basic guitar line with my melody and be able to share that with a group. Perfect. Um, you know, now I'm at the point where like I can write full songs and yeah, they're only, you know, four or five chords depending, but I'm also not, you know, John Mayer, that's amazing. Not many are. No, not many are. I would say that for the listeners out there that want to learn guitar, if you think you're going to be John Mayer, you're not. So just (laughs) stick with it initially and get to a place like always have that as a goal, but like know that you're going to put a lot of work in. But it, it changed my songwriting where I could I could really hear melodies a lot easier like it, it always kind of came to me naturally which I'm very blessed to have had but mm-hmm. being able to hear the melody and then kind of know exactly where it is on the guitar is such an amazing tool to have in, in your tool chest as a as a songwriter because not everybody plays guitar and not everybody can come up with melodies either so it's just been a really great tool to bring forth to writing new songs and then listening to the radio and figuring out well, what chord progressions are they sure. using? Why, why have they chosen those? And why are these progressions the most popular? And it just opens up a lot of, of thought process of like, why, why are these things happening and what can I 
do and or change to bring into what I'm doing. Sure. And I think that affording yourself the opportunity to learn the guitar, it it just, it opens up so many doors musically for Mm -hmm. you. Right. And I I can see where it would, it would kind of expand the whole thought process around writing because now you're not reliant. I mean, you basically have to have two things to have a song, music and words, right? And if you're right. only capable of doing one and not the other, you know, you you already start with one hand tied behind your back, right? Mm-hmm. And I would tell the listeners that you don't have to be a great guitarist to love to play the guitar. If you, you just learn the cowboy chords and you can mm-hmm. play any song that you've ever heard on the radio in those three or four chords, literally. It's, it's the same key that you're playing in, but you can have mm-hmm. just as much fun just being a simple strummer or rhythm player than being a flashy. You don't have to be flashy to enjoy playing the guitar, to sit Absolutely. out by your pool or sit in your living room and just, you know, bang some chords out and, and sing a song. And some people yeah, I mean, like I consider myself a, a rhythm guitarist. Yeah. And I play those you know, simple chords and, and I get by yeah. the way that I can until I get to a place where I'm better than I am now. Absolutely. And for for you have a beautiful voice and sometimes voices yeah. can you don't need a guitar to be effective. But I wanted to ask you, do you feel more comfortable with a guitar in your hand, let's say you're performing a show with your band. Um, mm-hmm. Do you prefer to have the guitar in your hand? Do you play guitar on all of the songs? Talk to me a little bit about that. Or do you just prefer to pick up the mic and sing? Or are you just naturally a vocalist? The guitar, of course, the guitar comes second. There's no doubt. You've already mentioned that multiple times. But how do you feel about the guitar now that you're several years into it? Do you feel like you need it on stage with you or can you live without it? I don't feel like I need it. I love that I have the ability to play and I I have not played with a band with a guitar yet. Okay. Um, I used to play with a band prior to the pandemic. And then when I moved and traveling back and forth to Nashville and all that, I have not had the opportunity to perform with a band. Okay. For my own set, I have performed with a band for a couple of songs, uh, downtown Broadway in Nashville, which was really fun because it's been a long time that I've been on a stage in, in that capacity. It's, it's, it's a little different. And those listening out there that, that know the difference, you'll get it. But um, being on stage with just a mic and being able to walk back and forth and just having this freedom is amazing. Yes. But at the same time, I also love that I have the ability to play guitar. And at some point when I am on a stage with a band, even if it's just a three piece, I would love to be able to be playing the rhythm and then have another guitarist who's filling in what I'm not doing. And then the bassist and the anything else that we need, the drums, all the, all the extra instruments that make just that full amazing sound of a band would be fantastic. But you know, I love, I love both aspects. I love the freedom of just being able to run around a stage and, and sing because vocally that is my strong suit, but being able out, it's, it's a very big honor for me to have not spent a ton of time playing guitar, but getting to a point where I feel more comfortable and confident with my ability to be able to put on a show when I, when I'm just playing myself and do it on my own where I'm, I'm playing guitar, I'm singing, I am 
being the entertainment of the night with my personality and and doing all the things. So there's something to be said for all of it. I agree. I agree. Now you also worked, you know, you worked hard during the the pandemic, kind of, I guess, on the songwriting skills. And I wanted to ask you, you know, walk the listeners through what a songwriter might do to become a better songwriter. I think that's probably very personal for a lot of different songwriters. However, just speaking from my own experience, writing with a lot of different songwriters automatically makes you a better songwriter because sometimes you are the best songwriter in the room and sometimes you are not. And you get to learn a lot from what's happening in the room and what the ideas that people are throwing out and the melodies and, you know, all of the the information that you're getting in that sitting of songwriting. There's also like tons of books that you can read and different like meetings and stuff that you can go to for, for songwriting, different classes and all that kind of stuff. So it's really just like how you want to go about songwriting, where you are in your songwriting ability and, and okay. how you want to move forward with that. That makes sense. Um, sure. I've grown so much just from writing with other people and getting an idea of like, oh, okay, that's how you, that's how someone would phrase it outside of the wheelhouse of what I would have thought of, you know, on my own. So. You kind of take that and then you bring it into other songs that you're writing. And, yes. You know, when you get to meet with publishers at some point and you get feedback from them on your songs, because if you're, if you're looking to songwrite for the commercial market, they oftentimes will give you feedback to try and, and make you better in that realm. And uh, yeah. that's a very different experience as well. Which is all good things. It's all positive stuff. It's just taking what you've learned from the advice from other people and then putting it into your own songwriting and how it fits best for you. Yeah, and I think that that's the case with anything, whether you're a songwriter, whether you're a guitarist. You know, I was a baseball and hockey player, right? And I think everybody always said, if you want to get better, you have to play with people or do it with people that are better than you. That's when you really, you grow, you grow as a hockey player or a songwriter or whatever, whatever you're doing, I guess. So Mm -hmm. you, you, you want to associate yourself with much better people in the art in which you're performing. A lot of artists talk about being part of the Nashville rights Okay. Mm -hmm. Describe to the listeners what a Nashville right is and why would anybody want to be a part of one? I don't know what's outside of a Nashville right because I don't oftentimes go outside of that realm. When I first started songwriting, the the idea of writing was kind of the same as a Nashville right. When you go into a right, you are there with a couple of people. Usually it could be one other person, two, three, four, hopefully not more than that. Cause then it just gets too many cooks, cooks in the kitchen. Right. It's just too hard. <laughs> but you, you know, you hop into the room, you all are in the understanding that we all are going to own X percentage of this song. Okay. No matter where it goes. And I, I love that understanding that there is in a Nashville writing song group. I don't know how that is outside of that. But, you know, everybody has something to contribute and there's no use of trying to be like, well, John said blah, blah, blah. And we're using that in the first, you know, 
verse, so he's going to get blah percentage. No, it just makes things complicated. So just being able to be in a room where people are under the same understanding that we're we're all getting a piece of this pie, and, and hopefully it goes somewhere for all of us, and that's great. And then moving forward from that, it's just we're everybody's putting forth the same amount of effort. And, you know, sometimes sure. you end up in a room with somebody who's maybe not, mm-hmm. but that's not something you can control right yeah, away. Sure. And then you just don't write again with that person. But right. being in those those circles, you learn who's going to be part of your tribe and who you write well with and who you don't. And you you find the people that make you better and, and those people who you make better and continue to thrive in, in that way. So I personally love that aspect of, mm-hmm. of the Nashville songwriter situation that we have <laughs> down there. But like I said, I don't know how it is outside of, uh, outside of Nashville, sure. really. On the balance scale of justice, when you, you talked about the rights, on the balance scale of justice – is getting together and collaborating with other writers, is it more for let's all four, and I'm just using four as the hypothetical scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, we all four put in 25% to equal the song. That mm-hmm. way, if it ever hits, then we all share 25% of the royalties or on the other side of that balance scale of justice, are the rights more for learning the art of writing and becoming better? Is it 70-30, 50-50, 90-10? How does that... I'd say, I mean, for me personally, it's 50-50. Okay. I'm writing with people to get better, but I'm also writing to write for myself or to write for another artist that okay. might want to cut a song and feel strongly about what we've written in the sure. room that day. Okay. Um, that will help bring us all up in, in the songwriting community. So I would say it's definitely more of a 50, 50 perspective. If you were to just, I guess I would ask your thoughts on, do you think that that's the same mentality of most people or not so much? Or do you think they're really there hoping to, have Kenny Chesney cut one of their songs. They're there for the monetary reasons. I mean, I hope everybody is there for kind of a mix of all the reasons. Okay. Yeah. Like you never know what's going to hit for radio. Exactly. So you're, you're all just in there writing, writing your stories and, and making them better. And sometimes that's heard by a big artist and it gets cut and you make a lot of money. And sometimes it's a really freaking great song that might not get heard by a lot of people and a smaller artist will put it out. Either way, if it gets cut, if a song that you write gets cut, it's a a checkbox in that's awesome. Somebody felt strongly enough of my writing and my, my team's writing that they wanted to cut a song yeah. and share it with the world. So I would, I would think that that would be that's the, a positive in my book. Yeah. The, a form of flattery and a, you know, a huge pat on the back for you. If somebody thinks enough of your song to want to record it, it's impactful to them mm-hmm. for sure. Now you and a past guest of mine, I believe wrote together, Sarah faith, correct. Yeah. And, and what song was that, that you and Sarah had written together? So the song that I released that her and I wrote is called Never Enough. Okay. And that was put out in February. 
I think February of this year or February of last year. I can't remember. I know it was February. Yeah, I think it was um, this year. It might have been this year. That. And uh, it was. it's a wedding song. Yep. So we, we had written that the previous February, because actually, I, so now I'm remembering, February of 21, we wrote it. And on the same day, which was not planned, I chose a date in February to release the song. And it just so happened to be the same day that we wrote that song oh, wow. just a year later. Oh, wow. um, so I, I took that as a good omen for the song. <laughs> but hopefully, I think there might be a couple of people that are going to be using it for their weddings in the, in the next few months. So. Good. Fingers crossed yeah. for that. I hope some things will take off for for her. She was a she was a delight to uh, to talk to. She's a character, and oh, uh, she is. Yeah. I love her. Too, uh, yeah, that. she's cool. Are there plans for maybe a new EP or even an LP from Stephanie Ryan? I know there were a lot of singles released over the course of a year. What are the plans that you can talk about for something full length like an EP or an LP? At this point, I'm still focusing more on singles because people aren't listening to music like they used to. They're not listening to albums like they used to. Okay, yeah. and, and I learned from putting out my EP that the length of time that people are listening to the EP is the length of time that they're listening to a single. And then they're wanting the next thing. So in order to kind of keep up with this trajectory of like, that's great. What's next? That's great. What's next? And you're just constantly pumping out information. I'm sticking with the singles so that I, I have more to give everyone when they're asking for it that makes as opposed sense. to being like, here's a set of songs and now you're not going to hear from me again for another six months. Yes, I get it. It's funny how things have changed like that. I just started collecting vinyl and We've been in this whole singles mindset for so long, you know, with the digital music. And I, I think we live in a an age where it's just an age of attention deficit. There's just so much distraction mm-hmm. and so many things going on. And I, and I don't say that uh, in, in a condescending way at all. It's just I think that we're all busy. We're all doing 90 million things. And, you know, our brains are just all over the place. When I bought my first piece of vinyl a year ago when I started my collection, it was like there was to open an album and pull the liner notes out and physically touch a record was like very nostalgic. It was like the hair on the back of your neck stood up because this is something that I did as a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely a, a different time. You know, the album, it was a concept album or you know, there was a theme to the album and it was, it was just, it was like a, an event to listen to an album. Now it's just like single, Mm -hmm. single, single, you, you know, it's, it's just different times, right? Definitely. I mean, I miss the, the idea of albums. I grew up with albums and I would have my little cassette tapes that I would pull the liner notes out and they like were the span of my arm length and (laughs) read all the notes and everything. And, you know, it was so much fun back then, but People just aren't consuming music like that at the current moment. And I'm, you know, hopeful that it will go back at some point. But, you know, also as an independent artist, it's pretty expensive to put out an entire work. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have people funding us like we do if we had a label or or anything like that. So being able to have the ability to continue to give somebody something new to listen to I think is, is a privilege in itself 
to be able to do that. And, you know, hopefully one day it'll go back to albums and we can just go back to doing that and have the liner notes. I hope at some point Mm. I have the opportunity to do that because I would love to go super old school with it and have all the liner notes and have it fold out into a poster. Like we used to back in the nineties. Like there's a big old Stephanie Ryan poster that comes out and you get, that's the benefit. You get to hang that on the wall and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. With all the creases and all the folds. Exactly. Into its case. Yep. Well, I was going to say you're, you're such a BSer because you're not even old enough to to know what a cassette tape is. I think you're just trying to like, I think you were just trying to make me feel good. Like I was talking about albums and stuff like that. Like, Anyway, no. Um, no, my first cassette was uh, Celine Dion. I think it came out in like 92. Her um, Falling Into You album. Yeah, wow. What What is coming up by way of shows for you? Do you have a bag of shows coming up or are you light on shows right now? Talk to the listeners a little bit about where you're playing. Are you predominantly playing up in the New England area. I know that you and I were just in Nashville at the same time. Uh, I had reached out to you and said, Hey, I'm, I'm meeting, trying to meet up with Sarah and Clint Woolsey from stone Senate. And hopefully you can meet up. And we never wound up meeting up because I think Clint got sick and uh, there was some COVID stuff going around um, Mm -hmm. their front office. But I didn't know how often you were getting down to Nashville to play if most of your shows were up in New England, talk to the listeners a little bit about Stephanie Ryan and shows. Well, there's going to be a lot coming up, most of which I can't dive into yet. Sure, However, fine. January, I'm going down to Key West and I'm part of a songwriters festival Yay. there from the 11th to the 16th. Then I go back to Nashville. I'm there for a week and a half and I'm, I'm playing the bluebird for the first time. Whoa, look at you. Um, On January 26th, which is very exciting. I have not played there before, so I'm, I'm very pumped about that. I've got right now on the docket. I've only got one show scheduled for Maine. And that's in July. (laughs) It's like very far. (laughs) Okay. You're looking forward Uh, to that one, right? For sure, but uh, I'm looking to go to London in March for C2C and hopefully playing a few places out there. I just don't have the ability to chat about that yet. Sure. <laughs> you know, I'll be definitely in town for CMA Fest and booking some stuff for that. So there will be a lot coming on the calendar, but those of you listening I, on my website and on like bands in town, I list where all of the shows I'm playing are located and and times and all that stuff. So you can check them out there by way of just anything, maybe inside or outside of music, anything exciting coming up that you would like to have an, an kind of an open forum to chat to the listeners about either new music that's coming up, anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to share with the listeners. I wanted to make sure that this time was well spent on you. No, thank you. I mean, I think we've covered so much stuff here, but I am always willing and and excited about chatting with fans or people who have just stumbled upon my music or my page. I'm I'm much more what's the word? I pay a lot more attention to Instagram than I do any of the other platforms. Okay. So, if 
listeners are wanting to get in touch and, and let me know, like, how do you feel about the music? What do you, what are you looking for? What do you want next from me? Like, what is your expectation or your vibe? Or if, even if you just want to say, Hey, sure. I have open DMS. You are welcome to message me anytime. And I, I would love it. And I, I will be answering myself because I don't have people managing that. <laughs> it is just me. <laughs> you know, that's a good I thing though. The only one. <laughs> that, that's a good thing though, Stephanie. I've, I've had a few people on the show that had kind of turned over their social media and things like that to, you know, marketing and publishing people. And they're like, I took it back because the things that were being posted, not that they were doing anything wrong, but people know my candor. They know my sense of humor and that wasn't coming out in my post and people could detect that that's not something Mm -hmm. that so-and-so would say or that Stephanie would never say that. Right. So it was just kind of like, and let me just pull this back in and let me, let me do it myself. So that's, that's good, you know, but you stay grounded that way. And you give the listener a personal touch. And I think that that's how you organically build a following is just by being personable to the people, right? When you, when you think that you're too big to talk to people anymore, that's when you probably start losing people versus gaining people. I agree. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big importance to me to have that ease of conversation with listeners, with fans, who, whoever wants to reach out and chat. Obviously nobody wants the mean person to reach out and be like, I hate you because blah, (laughs) but you know, the, the positive ones and having, having that interaction with fans, I I always want to have that with whoever's talking to me. You know, if you're talking to me, you are talking to me. I don't want you to be talking to someone else through me. Because it's not, it's not real. It's not I want to have that real yeah. relationship with the people that are listening to me because those people are, are what make me performing and putting out music. Like that's what drives me. Absolutely. To continue to do what I'm doing, knowing that I'm touching somebody's life to the point where they feel comfortable enough to reach out and just say like, Hey, or I really like this song or, you know, I would love a t-shirt or a hat or, you know, whatever the case may be. I want you to come to Texas and play a show. Sure. 100. <laughs> any, I agree. any of that. Yep. Um, it's just really nice to have that, that conversational relationship with the listeners that I think a lot of people don't necessarily have the ability to do and or choose not to. It's probably one of the most important things you do or will do besides actually making the music is being personable to the people that follow you and support the music, right? Because Mm -hmm. without them, you might as well just put the guitar in a closet because you have nobody listening to you at that point in time. Exactly. Um, I'm about touching the lives of people. If I'm going to touch the lives, I want, I want them to touch my life. Absolutely. I I agree. It's, it's a two way street for sure. And what we were just talking about, is a great segue into asking you where the listeners can find you on social media. You mentioned Instagram, but where else can the listeners find Stephanie Ryan on social media? Yeah, so um, Instagram is Stephanie Ryan Music. So is Facebook. I believe YouTube is the same. On my webpage, it's just stephanieryan.com. 
where you can listen to all my music and find all of the information, bio, pictures, all that stuff interacting with me. It's definitely going to be Instagram, but I'm also on TikTok. I believe that's also Stephanie Ryan music. I try to keep it real simple (laughs) so you're not trying to look up all different things. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I I am available on all the platforms and and very appreciative to those who tune into to this and of course any of your other podcasts that you've got going on and uh, anyone who listens to me going forward from this send me a dm let me know you heard me from here yeah absolutely do that and i remind the listeners that there's also merch that you can find for stephanie uh there at stephanie com, and that's Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, and that's R-Y-A-N-N-N-N.com. You also have a, uh, I like the virtual coffee session with Stephanie. That's like a, like a really <laughs> cool idea. And I wanted to mention that because if you go out to Stephanie's, I think it's on the merch portion of your mm-hmm. site if i if i remember correctly but it you is can, right at the bottom yeah you can uh sign up to do a, a virtual coffee chat with with stephanie which would be really cool i i don't i can honestly say that i i think that to to remain relevant with anything you you have to stand out and you have to separate you know, your, yourself from like everybody else. And I, and I saw that and I, I'm like, okay, I've looked at a lot of websites since I started the podcast and I don't think I've ever seen this. So uh, that's awesome. Kudos to you for coming up with the idea. I, maybe it's okay. your own, maybe it's somebody else's, but nevertheless, I thought it was a great well, idea. For those pajama sessions that I talked to you about earlier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, when I was doing those shows during the pandemic, I was just like, you know what? It'd be really cool to, to offer that as something for sure. Um, because, you know, maybe somebody would be interested in, in having a coffee via Zoom and just hanging out for a bit. Yeah. Technology. You got to love it. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Stephanie, listen, thank you so much for uh, being here and sharing your story with the listeners. It's uh, It's been great getting to know more about you and your music and your story. Uh, As always, I ask the listeners to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, make sure to follow Stephanie on all of her social media outlets, including the website at stephanieryan.com. And make sure you get out to support her at the shows whenever she's in town. You can find Backstage Pass Radio on Facebook at Backstage Pass Radio Podcast, on Instagram at Backstage Pass Radio, Twitter at Backstage Pass PC, and on the website at backstagepassradio.com. Thank you guys for tuning into the show and remember to take care of yourselves and each other. And we'll see you right back here on the next episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Make sure to follow Randy on Facebook and Instagram at Randy Halsey Music and on Twitter at R Halsey Music. Also, make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them Backstage Pass Radio is the best show on the web for everything music. We'll see you next time right here on Backstage Pass Radio.